welcome to the Hearth and Hedge. My name is Margot, And I am Amberly, and we are very happy to have you. Yes, we are, especially for this special episode, the Winter Solstice, Yule. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> Yule, the darkest day of the year and the return of the light. Uh, Yule marks the rebirth of the sun. It is the day of shortest daylight and the longest night. But from this point on, the days will become longer and darkness shorter. In the wheel of the year, this time is represented by the rebirth of the god in all his solar energy. On the night of the winter solstice, at the moment of greatest darkness, the goddess brings forth the child of promise, the child sun. He is Sol Invictus, or the unconquered sun. The goddess is seen as the ancient crone of winter. This is the winter solstice, the first day of winter on the traditional calendar, and although it marks the return of the light, there are months of cold and dark still ahead. So we watch the power of the god, or the sun, however you prefer to look at it, strengthen and grow in hopes of a new spring and the rebirth of our great mother earth. Uh, these hopes are both symbolized and sustained by the magical evergreen plants all around us, pine, fir, holly, even mistletoe. We decorate our homes and hearths with these trees and plant trimmings whose Everlasting greenery, despite all the death around them, represent the promise of new and everlasting life. So this indeed is a wonderful time of year, and one that has intense magical importance. One that has been associated with the mythological cycles pertaining to deities, harsh weather that winter sometimes brings, and the return of the light and renewal of light and life. So let's dive in and take a look at some mythology and folklore associated with these important winter solstice themes through the lens of a few different cultures. I'll be referencing from Yule, Llewellyn's Sabbath Essentials, Rituals, Recipes, and Lore for the Winter Solstice. Winter is definitely a mother-centric time, for it is women who nurture life sparks within their bodies and give birth to that life in its realized form. In addition to stories of birth, many women of legend are tagged with measuring out life or even bringing it to an end. Throughout world cultures, past and present, winter myth and legend abound with reverent stories of these powerful female figures. In Norwegian tradition, Freak or Friga is counted as the goddess of winter and is strongly associated with the winter solstice. The solstice is known in Northern Europe as the Mother Night, for it is on this night that Frigga labored to birth the sun into the world. Even today, many Norse women invoke Frigg's name for a healthy pregnancy. Holda is the Germanic goddess of Christmas and bringer of both prosperity and fertility, which were closely related in past cultures where a large family helped ensure a successful life. Another Germanic tradition holds that a forest goddess shapeshifts into a white doe and goes into a sacred cave in order to give birth to the sun on the new year. This happens on Mother's Night. The Saxons used the term Modernic or Night of the Mothers, or Mother's Night, to describe the dark nights of this time of year. According to Bede's translations, Mother's Night was originally a pagan midwinter celebration, but the Saxons later shifted the celebration to Christmas Eve and included an animal sacrifice to appease winter's angry gods. Still pretty pagan. <laughs> uh, the event may also be linked to the Germanic matron cult, whose Moldernich sacrificial festival was held for the matras and matrons, German female deities. At least one source suggests that Modernicht may have originally taken place on Samhain as the festival of the dead, after which it was later moved to Yule. 
Uh, it's so funny because Amber Lee and I are doing a book club on the Patreon and we are reading the old magic of Christmas and finding that there are so many things that uh, you would think are appropriate for Samhain that are actually linked to Christmas, Yule, and the winter solstice. Uh, yeah. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, they do very, they go hand in hand really well together. Yeah. Winter's female deities were often linked to the season's fierceness as well. In Celtic theology, the mother is the Old One, also known as the Kaliach, the divine hag crone who rules the year's winter half between Samhain and Beltane, and brings the icy cold death and darkness of winter and wilderness to the world. Skadi, also Skadi or Skadal, is the Scandinavian goddess of winter. Able to control the winter weather, she is said to reside high in the snowy mountains and loves to ski throughout her domain, scattering snowstorms behind her. The Greek goddess Alcyone, taking the form of a kingfisher, takes to her rest every winter for two weeks, and during this time the seas are said to be calm. In a variation of this Greek legend, a grieving wife named Alcyone throws herself into the sea upon discovering the drowned body of her beloved husband, Sykes. The gods take pity on the, on the pair, transforming them into kingfishers with the power to still stormy seas for 14 days and around t- the time of the winter solstice, seven days before and seven after, while they build their nest and hatch their young. The so-called Halcyon Days have thus come to represent a time of peaceful, quiet, happiness, and good weather around the time of midwinter. So, what about the dudes? (laughs) Where the women of winter are typically credited with the struggles of birth and death, the male figures are invariably shown as heroes battling against adversity or to achieve a needed foothold and ensure life continues as it should. Traditions of a winter king around the winter solstice go back to ancient celebrations of the sun's rebirth. Winter's male deity figures frequently symbolize or represent the sun, ideals of generative male fertility, the return of the light, and vigor to the world. The early Etruscans and Romans viewed the sun as a male deity and celebrated the birth of the unconquered sun around the solstice time. In 10 BCE, the Roman Emperor Augustus installed Apollo as the reigning version of the solar god. A celebratory games and feasting were held in Apollo's honor. Lu, an Irish mythological deity figure often displayed with solar imagery and linked to solar celebration, is likened by many to the Greek god Apollo, whose golden chariot drove the sun across the sky. However, the mythological cycle associated with Lu shows no explicit connection between him and the winter solstice. Apollo's popular importance was eventually superseded by the Persian deity Mithras and the subsequent Roman cult of Mithraism. Interestingly, Mithras' story uh, is not well recorded in ancient sources. The information we do have about him is mostly from secondary legends and depictions on uh, monuments. He appears in a record between 1 and 4 CE as a figure who was born from a rock. His followers were all male, and his temples were always pictured as being underground. In these temples, he is depicted as slaying a bull, which he, after which he greets the sun, who bows down to him in reverence. Based on these depictions, he has been considered a Roman solar deity and is described as Sol Invictus in inscriptions. As mentioned earlier, Mithras' birthday of December 25th has led many to imagine a supposed connection between his and Jesus' birth, and this belief has persisted despite the fact that there is no true connection. 
Indeed, there is actually no evidence that Mithras was born on December 25th, and scholars agree that there is no actual relationship between Christianity and the cult of Mithraism. Uh, Sorry if I just bursted any bubbles. Uh, Another connection to the winter god figures is the Roman festival of Saturnalia, held in honor of the agricultural god Saturn and celebrated between December 17th and 23rd. The ancient Saturnalia was a time of feasting and merriment at the end of the harvesting and winemaking seasons. Presents were exchanged, sacrifices were offered, and masters turned tables and served their slaves in all Saturn's name, a celebration of the male generative force. The ancient festival took place in the Roman temple of Saturn. Um, Today's modern pagans keep the festival alive in homes, halls, and fields. Um, And near the end of the 4th century, Saturnalia was moved to the new year and more or less merged with Calends of January, which is a Roman midwinter celebration. A number of midwinter festivals worldwide would spring from the Kalends, including the Kalends of Provence, France, Poland's Kalenda, the Czech Republic's Koleda, Russian's Kolada, Lithuanian's Kolidos, and in Wales and Scotland, Kalinig or Kaluin. Traditions of winter kingship persisted into the Middle Ages with stories of the Green King of Winter and his symbolic quest to win the hand of the Spring Maiden. The image of the Green King surfaces over and over again in myths of King Arthur, Gawain, Robin of the Green, and the archetypal Green Man. Tropes echoed today in poetry, carols, mummering, uh, which is a traditional work of drama, and even in the legends of modern Santa Claus and the New Year's Father Time. Finally, revivalist Celtic traditions identify Midwinter as a time when the Oak King wins the battle against the Holly King, a battle that will reverse stakes at Midsummer. These ideas, inspired by Sir James George Fraser's The Golden Bow, focus on a dualistic battle between the forces of light and dark, characterizing it as a cycle that must be maintained in order for life to continue. That was awesome. Thank you for all that information. I love this time of year. Today's episode, I have a lot of just statements and things to share. Um, I think we have established that this is my favorite, favorite time of year. And I think the older that I get, the more I remember my early Christmases as something super magical. Uh, I remember going down Canyon Road in in Santa Fe and singing Christmas carols and sharing Christmas cookies and uh, meeting, you know, a bunch of people that I never would have met before and hanging out around fires, warming our hands, uh, just amazing things like that. And I really have always wanted to bring back that magic that maybe at the time was probably not as magical as I remember it being. It's always more magical for for kids, though. Well, that's true. That's true. And I, I really want to bring that back into my life and into the life of my children. Um, if I had a twin flame soul... Uh, it would be Clark Griswold. Uh, because I always am dreaming of sitting around a piano, singing carols with my family, sharing a perfect holiday meal, uh, drinking cocoa or eggnog, and then having some old wine, uh, all of these things without having a hangover the next day, and just having the perfect family holiday. Are you also dreaming? Are you also dreaming dreaming of a uh, sexy person swimming in your pool in a red bathing suit? Sometimes, but sometimes it's also just Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
what the white wife beater and the leopard prince beater. Yeah, shitter's full. <laughs> I actually was telling my husband the other day, I was like, we really need to get a holiday uh, shower curtain that's just Eddie, like, jumping. Yeah. <laughs> His black water into the into the the drainage that says shitter's full. <laughs> he didn't agree with me, but I think it would be great. <laughs> but in the also, you know, it's true Clark Griswold style. My holidays usually end up nightmarish and fucked up, but it's always all in good fun, right? Mm-hmm. But I always spend. Uh, November and December doing a gajillion things to make it special. I bake. And when I say I bake, I mean like I bake two to three times per week at least. Um, I hand make as many presents as I can. Uh, Just yesterday I finished a quilt. I canned apple chutney and I baked both lava cakes and a new confection that we've just come up with uh, that we decided to call snowman poop because my piping skills uh, actually really leave something to be desired. Wow. <laughs> and they kind of resemble like white cow patties on the cookie sheet. So, oh, yeah. they taste really okay. good. Snowman poop. Yeah. And lucky for, for everyone, I'm going to share this recipe uh, at, Excellent. at the end of the episode. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and I want pictures. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a great idea. If you make snowman poop, please share. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, there's the end of my first rant. (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to go over some quick correspondences and then talk briefly about the Yule Log. Some correspondences. Uh, These are always helpful if you're just trying to put together your own customized ritual or spell, or if you just want some things to put around the house to represent, you know, this time of year. Uh, So here you go. December 21st or 22nd, Yule, Winter Solstice, Alban Arthen, correspondences. So the zodiac signs are Capricorn and Sagittarius. The um, planetary sign is the sun planetary or luminary sorry season is winter time of day midnight the element is earth colors are gold green red silver and white trees are apple birch cedar chestnut fir holly juniper oak pine and yew herb and miscellaneous plants are blessed thistle chamomile frankincense ivy rosemary sage mistletoe and myrrh gemstones or minerals are bloodstone garnet and ruby metals are gold and silver or silver and gold (laughs) um angel is uriel is ariel goddesses aphrodite fortuna gaia hell hole edun ishtar isis maat and tiamat gods are apollo Attis, baldor Bragi, Dionysus, the Green Man, Helios, Janus, Lu, Mabin, Marduk, Mithras, Odin, Ra, Saturn, and Surya. Animals are the bear, the boar, the deer or stag, the pig or sow, squirrel, and tiger. Birds are eagle, goose, the kingfisher, the lapwing, the owl, the robin, and the wren. 
And issues and tensions and powers regarding this time of year are darkness, divination, light, messages slash omens, purification, rebirth, renewal, and transformation. Speaking of the trees mentioned, birch. I feel like birch is a very popular wood used for yule logs. Mm -hmm. Every time I see imagery of them, um, it's birch. And I actually have a decorated yule log that's also birch. Why is it always birch? I don't know, but birch is also the favorite switch that uh, like Krampus and other scary things used to beat children with. So Eating children. Okay, so basically it's because if your kids act up, you can just take the Yule log and chuck it at them. Right. Seems legit. Okay. (laughs) All right. So anyway, a little bit about the Yule log. Um, To pagans everywhere, the winter solstice, or Yule, is a solar festival and as such is celebrated with fire. The Yule log is an ancient tradition and its burning symbolizes the blazing forth of the newborn sun. Traditionally of oak. That's interesting. The Yule log is selected before winter solstice and decorated with evergreen sprays and sprigs, berries, and even the ashes from the year's previous log. The Yule log is kindled with an unburned portion of the Yule log from the previous year, and an unburned portion of it will kindle next year's log. The unburned portion is kept all year as a protective amulet. The ashes from the Yule fire are also magical and can be collected in a bottle once cooled. Use it to make witch's salt or protection amulets and spread it on your hearth or your fire pit before starting your Yule fire. After collecting your unburned portion of the Yule log and a bottle of ashes, the remainder of ashes can be scattered over gardens and fields to ensure fertility in the coming year. Alternately, candles can be burned on top of a Yule log and reused each year. And I think you have... um, A little something on decorating a Yule log? I do, actually. Um, So I am going to share something that I found in one of my favorite family books, uh, The Magical Family by Monica Grossen. It is a Yule log blessing. Um, I'm actually just going to read it straight out of here because it's pretty short, but I love it. Uh, So the things that you will need are a Yule log, paper, pen, and a place to burn the log. Um, you'll be burning this log, so if you want to decorate it with ribbons or pretty ornaments before the ceremony, remember to take them off before putting the log in the fire. Uh, actually, though, usually I just will burn it all. Yeah, uh, yeah me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're going to light your fire, um, fire pit, your wood stove, fire pit, or fireplace, and have everyone write on a piece of paper for a non-material wish or goal for the coming year. It says, by non-material, I mean, you don't get to wish for a new Xbox. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fair. Uh, Attach the paper to the Yule log. Uh, The following can be said in unison or by the family member of your choosing. As the new sun is born, lend us your light, so we too might shine on this blessed night. Maiden, mother, and crone, blessed power of three, grant us these wishes, so mote it be. Place the Yule log in the flames. If you absolutely do not have a place to burn a log, have everyone light a tea light around the log and let them burn out in a safe place. Uh, Afterward, enjoy your family's company with some malt cider and maybe a little bouche de Noël. Nice. Yeah. I love a good bouche de Noël. Me too. (laughs) Is that like a mousse bouche but for Yule? Is that a Yule mousse bouche? I don't, I have no idea what I just said. I think it's a a Yule log, right? Like Like the Yule cake. That looks like a Yule log. Ah. Yeah. Boosh. Boosh. That's a great word. 
Yeah, it's a Yule log. Okay. Oh, okay. Boosh. Boosh. Uh, so, in the spirit of getting crafty, I do ha- also have, um, it's kind of a craft and kind of a spell. Um, it is from the Llewellyn Sabbat's Almanac, and it is um, the Witch Ball, a Yuletide Witch Ball spell, and how to make a Witch Ball. So, if you've ever seen those really adorable, you know, glass balls that have fun stuff inside of them, uh, that's what we're getting at right here. So, um, witch balls are old magical devices most often used as a protection against malevolent magic, but can also be used to attract luck, prosperity, health, love, or any other purpose. This one is designed to bring vitality and ward off illness. You will need one round clear glass ornament that can be opened at the top, easily found at craft stores during the holidays. You'll need some sea salt, a few sprigs of rosemary, a small funnel, one red candle, one green candle, one stick of pine incense uh, and your incense holder, and one cup of water. So you're going to gather all your ingredients on your workspace, uh, placing the green candle at the rear left and the red candle at the rear right, and the incense in between them. Place the water on the middle left and the salt on the middle right. Light the green candle, representing continued life slash greenery, and then the red, which represents life force and the power of the sun. And finally, the incense, which represents the season plus healing and vitality. So you're going to fill the ball about halfway with sea salt using the funnel, and then add the rosemary sprigs, um, trimming them if they need to be trimmed. Before putting the lid on, hold the bowl. Before putting the lid on, hold the ball with both hands and visualize a snow-covered field with evergreen trees and winter sunlight shining down on it, filling the trees with strength and vitality. Mentally send your energy and intent into the ball, saying, Orb of power and vitality, gathered, captured, held within. Witch ball, now a magic battery, to fuel my strength, my vigor, and vim. Boost to health each winter day, the waxing sun shall light my way. And when you're done, you can hang your witch ball in a window uh, or in your tree. Super cute. Yeah. I hate that I never have anything better to say than I love that, but every time I really actually love that. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I mean it. I'm going to talk a little bit about fun stuff to do with the family. So a few, cool. a few years ago, that's been quite a few now because my children are teenagers, but I found myself... Uh, the single mother of two toddlers still in diapers. Even though I had a steady government job at the time, I still was not making very much money at all. And suddenly the holiday season was uh, less exciting and a lot more daunting because I just didn't have the money to spend on presents that I had in previous years. Um, and it's kind of sad that this is what it took, but that's that's what it took for me to decide that uh, the holidays shouldn't be about buying, but more about making memories and spending time with the people that you love. Uh, so I just want to share some of the great things that we did together over the years, over the next few years and through the years since uh, to make the season special and, and memorable. Nice. So there are some crafts that you can do. The first year that my kids and I spent alone on Christmas, uh, my aunt gave me some of those really old uh, Christmas lights. You remember the old, they're really big and they're like kind of big bulbs. Yeah. 
Um, and I was really excited. So I, I got them all ready to go and I plugged them in and uh, the cord started to smoke. <laughs> so I quickly unplugged them and I was like, all right, well, what are we going to do with these? Uh, so I took all the bulbs off of it and uh, my kids and I painted them with glue and then put glitter all over them and made ornaments out of them. And they are still some of my favorite ornaments that we put on our tree. I mean, we have like 50 of them, so they're really filler ornaments, but they're so Mm -hmm. special to me. That's really cute. Um, I like that. Yeah. And I just, you know, I went to the store and I got a bunch of different types of glitter, which I'm glitter is like the bane of the earth, but it's something fun to do with your kids. And I really do. I cherish them. Uh, we also made salt dough ornaments, which uh, there's actually a different type of salt dough that I had never heard about until the last couple of years. I just want to share the recipe for it because it actually makes your tree smell amazing. So it, they're cinnamon salt dough ornaments. So it's one cup of flour, half cup of salt, half cup of cinnamon, two thirds cup of water. And then you're going to mix that all together. Uh, to make your salt dough ornaments and you can uh, pop them in the oven on a low oven um, until they dry out or you can just make them and let the shapes dry for about 24 hours Um, but they're they smell amazing and they make really cute little ornaments Um, that is cute yeah Uh, that was also the first year that we we went to the woods to cut down our own tree uh, which isn't something you can really do in the east but in other parts of the country, you get like a $5 tree tag and you can go find yourself a tree because it helps reduce the undergrowth, which reduces fire hazards. And you know. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, we also made popcorn and cranberry garlands. And by we, I mean I. <laughs> my kids started and then I finished. Um, hmm. And my hands were dyed pink. But uh, after we took it off the tree, we put it outside for the birds, and they loved it. That's great. I love that. Uh, we also made a paper garland, uh, which was, and by we, I also mean me on that one as well. But I, <laughs> I still have that paper garland, and I love it. Um, of course, there's the dreaded elf on the shelf, which I am terrible at. But, you know, some people really have fun with that. I'm a Krampus in the corner kind of girl. I know. I so want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> And of course we did baking. Everybody does baking. Uh, One of my favorite things that we do though every year is make tamales and empanadas. And they are a labor of love, but it's really fun to sit around uh, the table with your family and make a gajillion tamales that you're going to get really sick of in a couple Mm -hmm. days uh, and just have fun. So yeah, I did make empanadas one year. We always stay home the night before Christmas because we. it's kind of like the ultimate um, deceit because <laughs> we don't actually celebrate Christmas, but we don't want to go out and do all the Christmas stuff two days in a row. Right. So we tell everybody that we celebrate Christmas Eve at home uh-huh. and I make food, but it's an open house. I enjoy it because... It, I don't expect anybody to RSVP because I really don't care. It's basically open door policy. Come on over whenever you feel like it. If you can make it, there's going to be food. There's going to be wine. And it's going to be fun. So we actually do that every Christmas Eve. And I made empanadas one year. And, um, you know, you, the filling the filling I used is picadillo. And 
it was so friggin' good that I just kept spooning it into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But the recipe that I had, because I feel like any recipe that you get from, like, you know, a Puerto Rican grandma is enough for, like, 30 people anyway. Uh So I still had enough to make a ton of empanadas. um, And I was, like, I had to go upstairs and change because I was busting out of the seams because I couldn't stop eating the picadillo. It was delicious. That's That's just... Random memory decided to share. I love it. So is that a recipe you'd be willing to share? Because I would I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> the, the Christmas Eve open house is one of my favorite traditions, too. I love that mm-hmm. uh, that you do that as well. That's awesome. Uh, and that's, that's my end of my second rant. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have one more spell. Um, and I really love this one. Uh, I really, really love this one. It's it's called Spreading Good Cheer Spell. Um, It gives a little bit of luck and blessings to unknown strangers. So you will need a roll of coins. Quarters are best because quarters can get people's attention. (laughs) (laughs) So a roll of quarters, uh, a bowl of salt water, um, a clean bowl, a towel, a white candle, and some frankincense or cinnamon oil a small bag, uh, a pouch, or coin or coin purse. So break open the roll of coins and leave them in the salt water overnight to cleanse and remove any unwanted energy from them. The, the next day, you will rinse and dry the coins. Um, and once dry, gather the coins in a clean bowl at your working space. Anoint a white candle with the oil of your choice and set it behind the bowl of coins. Anoint your hands and your forehead, uh, your third eye if you prefer, as well, and light the candle. Hold both hands over the bowl of coins, concentrating on feelings of blessings and happiness. Visualize white light streaming out of your hands into the bowl, imbuing each of the coins with magical power, while saying, Blessings be on every token, each one touched with universal light. Gentle spell of blessings spoken, these special gifts left in plain sight. Upon the bearer, good fortune bestowed, and from hand to hand, the magic shall grow. For good of all, with harm to none, so I say, this spell is done. Then you are going to snuff out your candle and pour the coins into your bag or pouch uh, until you're ready to distribute them. When you are, you'll take them with you when you are out running errands, leaving a coin or two in random places as your intention guides you. And... People will find those and pick them up and carry the blessings home with them. I love that so much. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, when people will like tape some coins to a uh, a parking meter. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love little random acts of kindness like that. That's wonderful. That's a great yeah. one. That's a great one. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Good choice. All right. Uh, so as promised. Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. Snowman poop. So these are actually what's called uh, forgotten cookies. And when I finish the recipe, you'll understand why. But they just looked so snowman poopy. Actually, my son, I'm sorry, called them snowman sharts, but I, I didn't like that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so snowman poop it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I can't believe I'm saying that, but saying this, but poop is much more palatable than shark. Um, yeah, yeah. In this case, 
And my daughter hates the word poop, so she was like, no, that's not what they are. Uh, <laughs> but, okay. Well, snow turds. That's right, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so this one is really good to do before bedtime, uh, and you'll see at the end why. So what you'll need, super easy recipe, three egg whites uh, at room temperature is best, three quarters cup of sugar, a half teaspoon of peppermint extract, and uh, one half to one cup of mini chocolate chips, depending on how chocolate chippy you like your things. That is all. Uh, you're going to preheat, preheat your oven to 350 and then get out your electric mixer, uh, whether it's a hand mixer or a KitchenAid. There's a lot of whipping happening, so a, a whisk is just going to wear you out. Ah. Uh, so you're going to whip the egg whites until they are frothy and then add the sugar a spoon at a time. Continue to whip until glossy, stiff peaks form. Usually takes about five minutes uh, with my okay. with my KitchenAid. So it's like a lot of whipping. Once that's done, you're going to fold in the chocolate chips. Put that whole mixture into a piping bag or you can dollop by spoonfuls onto a baking sheet about an inch apart. Uh, it really doesn't need any much, very much space because they're not going to expand. Um, but you're going to put the put the cookie sheet, the full cookie sheet, in the oven uh, at 350, and then turn it off. Uh, and then you walk away, and you leave them for at least eight hours or overnight. So that's why huh. that's why they're called forgotten cookies because you put them in. I see. And you forget about them. So yeah, I made those last night before I went to bed, and. Uh, I can see how you, you really don't know how they're going to turn out until later on. And then you might be like, oh, that looks like poop. Yeah. Well, I mean, they looked like poop last night, too. <laughs> uh, the original recipe is just egg whites, sugar, and chocolate chips. But I added the peppermint extract because uh, it sounded good. So I like that. There's your snowman poop. All right. All right. <laughs> how do you follow that? <clears throat> I have an invocation. <laughs> uh, I do, though. I have an invocation to the ancient mother of midwinter. Awesome. It's a short one, and I like it. So here we go. Ancient mother of midwinter, watcher over life and death, the one who rebirths the world. Be with me, slash us, on this longest night. See me, slash us, through the dark hours, and stand with me, us, as dawn births the promise of new life, so mote it be. I think I really uh, killed the vibe with me slash us, but <laughs> I just wanted to make it abundantly clear that it could be either. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. That's, fine. That's a great, is that is that from the Yule book? It is. Okay. It is. That was one I was actually thinking about sharing too, so great minds yeah. think alike. All right, so I now have a Yule incense. As per the norm, it is from the complete book of Incense, Oils, and Brews by Scott Cunningham. Uh, why get anything else when you have the best already? Uh, <laughs> so Yule Incense is two parts frankincense, two parts pine needles or resin, one part cedar, and one part juniper berries. Mix and smolder at... Wiccan rites or any rites on Yule or around December 21st or during the winter months to cleanse the home and to attune with the forces of nature amid the cold days and nights. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like it smells really, really I good. I know, right? It just reminded me 
because we've been talking about snowman poop and I forgot that I made incense uh, uh, or I, I put an incense recipe in a how-to step-by-step guide on how to make it for the Patreon. Oh. And this, t- this specific incense starts off with powdered sandalwood and vegetable glycerin. So it eventually turns into like a moldable um, texture, almost like clay. Oh, and nice. you, you put, roll it into little balls and you just put a ball on a charcoal disc and uh, absolutely looks like poop. Wonderful. Rain- it looks like looks like reindeer poop. And um, I even made a joke about it in the Patreon. Like, listen, it smells a lot better than it looks. <laughs> Trust me. So that must be the theme for, for this, uh, this Yule uh, are things that look like poop, but either smell or taste amazing. <laughs> yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so, so I actually have a midwinter solstice tarot spread. Um, I always have a great time trying to describe these tarot spreads, but this one is actually really, really simple. I actually have two and they're both very, very simple. The first one is the midwinter solstice tarot spread. And you are going to put the first card, which represents yourself, down in front of you. The second card will go above and to the left. The third card will go directly above. And the fourth card will go above and to the right. So you're making kind of like an upside down triangle. Okay. So card one is the signifier. It also represents you. And it is deep within your winter cave. Card two is the card of contemplation. During winter, the time of contemplation, reflection, and evaluation, how is this affecting you? What are you thinking about? Card three is the card of celebration and action. Having reflected on the last year, how will you move forward? What is next? And finally, card four is the card of light, realization, and success. As the sun reappears and light returns to the world, where will it find you? And the other tarot spread that I have is one that's typically done around this time of year or in January because people like to do it. It's the 12-month spread. Nice. And it's just a reminder that you can do a 12-month spread um, you know, before the beginning of the new year or whenever, you're, whenever you acknowledge the beginning of the new year. And it is basically just a very large circle of 12 cards, and each card represents each month of the coming year. And you'll put a 13th card in the center of the circle. So counting your way around, you know, 12 cards, you've got a January card, a February card, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. And then in the center, your 13th card will represent your overall year. I find that these are fun to do and write down Mm -hmm. and then go back and reflect on them at the end of each month and at the end of the next year. Yeah, that's great. And finally, um, I like to, I love these. um, It's like a tarot card correspondence to each Sabbath. Um, I got this from one, one year. uh, I usually get the the Llewellyn, um, which is planner every year. Mm -hmm. And one year, um, they actually had a correspondence for each of the Sabbats to a specific tarot card in the Major Arcana. Uh, And I absolutely loved it. Uh, And I jotted them all down. And the association for Midwinter was the Death card, which I was surprised by because I was assuming it was going to be the Sun. But it's actually the Death card, and here is why. On the longest night of the year, the Great Mother gives birth to the Sun God. 
While it may seem odd to associate the celebration of the promise of new life with the death card, doing so helps us think more broadly about Yule. Just as Yule is the longest period of darkness, death represents the darkness before dawn. One of death's themes is endings, such as the end of the year or the releasing of things that no longer support the greatest good. Death can represent a crisis of faith, while Yule is a festival of faith. The sun has not begun its return and, in fact, seems farther away than ever, but we believe the light will return. Meditate on this card as you assess your life. Focus on whittling away that which no longer serves you. Allow the debris to break down, becoming fertile soil for future seeds to take root and find nourishment. Sometimes facing our darkest parts requires courage and a firm belief that we will not only survive, but also make way for new life to grow. Nice. Wonderful. I love the, the tarot spreads that you share and when you read uh, about those uh, Sabbath cards, because uh, I don't, I've said it before, I don't really do tarot spreads a lot, but every time you share one, I I try it and I really, really enjoy them. So thank yeah. you for sharing them. Yeah, they're so great. They're, they're kind of a reminder for me to try new spreads too, because typically I will pull one card or I will pull one card at plus an Oracle card. Um, I very rarely do spreads until I'm inspired to do them by something like this. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully it inspires other people as well. And uh, hopefully we have inspired you to do some super fun Yule stuff, like make snowman poop and and reindeer poop. Eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, friends. Amberly here. Sorry for the abrupt ending, but Zencaster has been kind of a jerk lately and has been cutting us off mid-recording. Since it was nice enough to wait until we were almost done, we just left it at, at that. So, sorry we ended before saying we'll see you next time. But now before we are done, I have one more segment to share with you. My amazing co-host Margot has decided to embark on her own adventure and bring content to you in a new way. Keep an eye out for her new project that can be followed on Instagram at A is for Agrimony. And now I will leave you with her farewell message. Hello, my friends. This is Margot here. I wanted to let you all know that this was my last recording with the Hearth and Hedge, and after spending almost 10 months uh, with Amberly here, it is time for me to depart. I am going to be striking out on a solo project that I will be launching just before the new year. Uh, some of you who follow my personal Instagram know my handle to be at A is for Agrimony a name that I have felt connected to for some time, and that will be explained eventually. And that is the name of my project as well. I will be starting out with a website and blog at aisforagrimony.com and quickly branching out into other types of content, hopefully quickly, both audio and visual as well as hopefully a shop in the future. But all that will be revealed as I begin to just let my inspiration lead me. The most important thing that I wanted to say is that I will be leaving the Hearth and Hedge with a huge amount of gratitude in my heart for my experience helping out here and sharing this experience and working with Amberly has been both fulfilling and illuminating. But above all, Sharing content and connecting with all of you, wonderful listeners, has been a bright spot in my life. 
I look forward to seeing where both of our paths lead us in the future and perhaps connecting with you all again at A is for Agrimony. But I just also want to say thank you so, so much for allowing me to be your co-host. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on our website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email us at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com slash thehearthandhedge. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you.